Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What exactly are ghosts? Are older places and buildings necessarily more haunted? Whatever haunting is, how do you deal with it? Well, I'll do Ben's lines today because he's under the weather, but he is here and gives his best to everybody he can wave if you have the video. Anyway, welcome to the 775th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM, and our 11th year on the air. I'm not Ben, I'm Paul, and those diverse questions (coughs) relate to our show today. And today we bring you an old friend, but a new guest on a subject you might not know as well as you think you do. And if you'd like to be part of the show today, call us at 401-766-1240 from anywhere, or email paul at behindtheparanormal.com. Thomas Spidaleri is founder of the Essex County Ghost Project, that's Essex County in Massachusetts, that is, the state uh, state's extreme northeast corner, which includes dear old Salem. Uh, Tom has researched the paranormal for over 15 years. He earned a bachelor's degree in history and political science from Bradford College in Haverhill, Mass., in 2000, and that's where his interest in ghosts began to develop. He worked on investigations as a hobby with the Massachusetts group, then founded his own in 2008. The following year, he became president of the Board of Trustees of Historic Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill. <coughs> Excuse me. Tom has worked diligently to raise funds to restore the cemetery, uh, where I have been, and uh, I, I can't believe the, the progress up there, Tom. Thank you. Absolutely it's amazing. It's been a lot of work by a lot of people. Beautiful place, you. yeah. And I personally admire him for the energy he applies to these and other projects up the community. And I don't want to embarrass Tom, but... He's one of my heroes. I mean, the, the, the things you do for the community and, and just, uh, you're a renaissance man as far as I'm concerned. And I just think, um, you know, if more people had, uh, the respect that is your defining characteristic and, uh, did things for the community, uh, I think that would be absolutely wonderful. Um, and he's here today with Caitlin, who is, does not want to say anything, but we're very happy to have her in the studio today. And, uh, just great to have you in the studio. Thanks for coming all the way. No back. problem. Thank you guys for having me. It was a fun ride. It wasn't as long as I thought. It was a nice, beautiful ride down 495. Except Bellingham was a little longer. Bellingham was a little yeah. longer than I expected, but it was still fun. Yeah. But, you know, I'm always on the eye, so I didn't mind driving 495. That's great. That's I always great. get my eyes on the side of the road and on the main part of the road. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you don't know what you're going to find. That's what no, the paranormal is all about. That's right. Especially in some of the flatlands on 495. Sure. I can picture some big, hairy thing coming out of the woods over there. Hey, around here, big it could, happen. It oh, could yeah. happen anywhere. <laughs> so uh, speaking of the paranormal, Tom, uh, what is the Essex County Ghost Project? Well, Essex County Ghost Project was formed, of, actually, it was formed 10 years ago, uh, this past November. We just had our 10-year anniversary. And what we do is we do a little bit of everything. And, yes, I am in the extreme northern section of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, but that hasn't stopped us. We've actually investigated from the Bridgewater Triangle to Lake Winnipesaukee. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the Lake Winnipesaukee case was interesting, as you heard just don't before. try and spell it. Yeah. As you heard before we get on the air, I'm not a big guy that drives in the big snowstorms. you got the big truck so you can go anywhere. Yes. I got a little car. We went uh, two years ago, the Monday before Christmas. It was the first ice storm of the season. Drove all the way to Lake Winnipesaukee. 
Oh, my gosh. Me, Caitlin, and my team psychic, Angie Donju, and then we were met up there by two fellow, now our pain members, Regional Paranormal Alliance. I'll get that a little later. Mm-hmm. And we investigated. We spent the whole day there and drove back when after the snow, but it was still quite some ice out there. Wow. So uh, how many people are in the uh, – this is your team? Yeah, right? this is my okay. team. It fluctuates anywhere from 5 to 10, sometimes okay. more. Okay, all right. So um, – one of the uh, well, the thing with with you and I is that we've been friends for a lot of years yes. now, and um, you know we, we both try to be open minded. Now we have different ideas about what ghosts are, right? Uh, different experiences. But that's what that's what's great about this field and putting people to it work is. together. That's right. You're right. If I have an issue, I can call you up and say, "Hey, what do you think on this one?" Yeah, and vice and versa. vice versa. Yeah, and that's what's so important in this field, and that's what's been lost. Yes. But that's not just in the paranormal. That's in anything you do in life. You don't have to have a paranormal team. If you're a local plumber, a local painter, a local tradesman, same thing. Just because the local plumber down the street might have this big job and you got the little job, down the road he you might get a big, he might get a bigger job and need you to help out. So it'd be better for you two to be friends with each other Absolutely. than to kill each other over business. It's the same Absolutely. with the paranormal. Yep. It's, like, it's like a paranormal BNI group almost. Yeah, so business, uh, that is Ben, yeah. by the way. You, didn't, you don't sound yourself, but that's good. That's yeah. <laughs> the Business Networking International. Yes. Uh, there's a story there where Ben made his first uh, address to a business group at the age of 12. At BNI. It's a long story. Anyway, nothing to do with the paranormal, although they were very interested in that subject. So one of the things we wanted to talk about today, Tom, was the Hockamock Swamp area and the Bridgewater Triangle, which is within our listening area yes. and is a well-known uh, area, what we would call a flap area. You've heard us lecture. We've heard each other lecture. Oh, times. yeah. <laughs> and um, tell us about some of the th- some of the research you've done well, in I, that area. Well, before I go anywhere, um, I'm interested in triangles in general. Mm-hmm. Just not, also, I'm working on another triangle which once I'm ready to investigate, I'll contact both you guys. Okay, it's up in good. southern New Hampshire in the Lakes region, and it's not well investigated at oh, all. all right. It takes more research. It's a lot of backwards research before I even set foot in there because of some of the dangers. Oh, sure. But back to the famous one. Yes. That's on every TV show, radio show Just across about. the world. Um, the Bridgewater Triangle. As we all know, it was coined around 1978. 79, uh, by a very famous uh, author from Maine, Lauren Coleman, and he had uh, done a few others. But the Bridgewater Triangle is a huge area, and the Hockamock Swamp, we went out there, I don't know, five years ago, and when we went out there, we went into one a, a good location. Um, we planned on going back the last couple of years, but every time we planned back, Mother Nature had a problem. It dropped some dandruff from the sky, better known as <laughs> snow. Yep. And it, we weren't talking about a few inches. We were talking about foots of snow. You know? Yeah, yeah. And that's not a safe area to walk after a heavy winter because forget the paranormal for a minute. Let's talk about safety before paranormal. You got quick mud, mm-hmm. better known as to some of us as quicksand. Yeah. You got animals that don't belong down there that people, well, I think they were this cute little colorful snake. When it was bought at the pet store, but then all of a sudden it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then the people don't want it anymore, so let's go throw it in the woods. Oh, wow, yeah. So you got to worry about non-native snakes. Yeah. Another snake you got to kind of worry about when you go down there 
is the Northern Rattler. They are making a comeback. Yes. All over New England. Yep. Um, in fact, there's a down this way is the Quabbin Reservoir. Am I correct? Yeah, not too far from this area. Oh well, you, you have to northwest. Northwest here, yeah. yeah. Um, there's an island on the Quabbin Reservoir that they're using to breed northern um, rattlers. Northern rattlers. So, I mean, deliberately? Oh, deliberately. Yeah, they're yes. to preserve the, the okay. before they go yep. extinct. So you got to watch out for that and the mud and everything else. So we'll walk in. We go into our location where we're gonna go. And we get underneath the power lines. Now, I hear from state workers all the time. There's Bigfoot sightings, UFO sightings in this area, and a little bit of everything else. So we get there. Now, some of my team members needed a break. So, of course, we got away from the high-density power lines, and I set up a temporary base camp so we could break, have a little lunch, picnic, and relax. So that's what we did. And... um so we headed back, a group of us went one way to the left, another group went to the right, and under the power lines, every time I called out King Philip, the wind would howl. Then I would, it wouldn't howl before that, it didn't do anything. Now, King Philip was, um, the, the great Satchkum. The great Satchkum of, of the, uh, Wampanoag. No, right, natives that were. During, and we're talking about the late 1600s, 1600s. the, um, uh, King Philip's War, right. it was called. Now, he hated that name because the Europeans, Metacomet, right, right. Gave, gave it to him. and um, But that's who he is. So I'm sorry. Right. Go ahead. No problem. So then I would stop, look around, take some more pictures, wait five, ten minutes, no wind. Call him out again, and here comes the wind again. I did that about five times. I was like, okay, we definitely got stuff here. I know we did. I could sense we did. Um, we took some pictures, got some very questionable pictures down there, which was cool. Um, we didn't see any UFOs, no sight of Birdman that day. Yeah. In fact, where we parked our car was the very famous shot of what they believed was Birdman in Lauren Coleman's book, uh-huh. uh, Mysterious America. Yeah. Um, but no Birdman sightings that day, no UFO sightings, um, so it was kind of sad, but we were going to go back, and we just never did. But that area there, we did go back another time the following year, not to that location. We went out to Anasquam Rock. We caught some EVPs there. Uh-huh. Um, the psychics were picking up odd feelings. And then we um, we went into another part of the swamp that I thought was going to crack up my car. Oh, yeah, this is four-wheel drive country. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we go out there, we have, we always have a four-wheel drive vehicle. Right, yeah, that's um, four-wheel drive country out there. We, we didn't get much accomplished that day because we got ourselves turned around, if you remember. We did a little investigation. It's very easy to, to do that. And the roads, well, uh, there was a place where that we were investigating uh, the, the head of the Copacut Reservoir, as we mentioned. And um, if you proceed up that road, it's a dirt road, and then all of a sudden it turns into a bunch of rocks. Like, literally, it's like an old stream bed. So we climbed up there for a while with the four-wheel drive, but I said, man, I'm going to wreck the, the manifold or something here. So we backed up. But that's that's the day we got those strange pictures of what might have been puckwudgies, which are mm. one of the really strange little critters supposedly around there. And we they haven't are. run into those a lot in other flap areas. Right. But I got a story of a punchwucky to tell you that's out of a flap area. Uh-huh. Um, we did a private case in Amesbury, Massachusetts, an old schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a, it was a home for people with issues. 
mental illness issues too. We got up there. We did the case. We closed the portal in the because we've been there twice. We closed the portal inside the house, inside her apartment. And Caitlin and Lindsay went out and investigated the outside because there was stuff going on. You could feel the stuff when you were outside. It's an old school yet. Mm-hmm. Well, I went out there. I didn't have enough of my own team members, so I had a, two Arpain members helping me out on this case. I went out there the with two what? Arpain, Regional Paranormal Alliance, with two of them. Oh, okay. Organization. Okay. And um, there we go. Okay. <laughs> and and um, we went out there, and you could I saw one, actually, from hiding behind the tree. Really? A little gnome-looking creature. And I looked at both of them, and I said, okay, how, what's your experience of moving a pudgewalkie? They went, um, <laughs> how about nothing? I go, oh, wonderful. <laughs> but we were able to get it out of there, luckily. Well, that's good. Yeah, looking the, creature. I, the witnesses we've interviewed have not had very good experiences with these little whatever they we are. We didn't. I, it it tried to strap. It didn't go after the other two members because they weren't. They were good sight. They weren't strong. Strong. They knew uh, this thing knew I was leading the removal. Mm-hmm. So it came towards me, and in fact. Um, one of my team members outside, we don't know if it was a punch, because I was inside with the other group. Yeah. One of my team members channeled something out there. I see. So that was Sounds like an interesting, interesting day. Now, we have a question. If oh. we, we can we can go back to yes. uh, Massachusetts here. Uh, this is from Michael Mitchell, whom we know. I know and, Mike, yes. Yeah, uh, Mitchell, Michael and Michelle Mitchell, Mitchell Comics. Yep. Uh, great, great folks. They, we see them a lot uh, when He did when a great, great comic book on the, um, I got two of his comic books, the Exeter UFO book. And yes. The, uh, what was the other one I got? Wonderful stuff. Check it the out. The Submarine. I read that the one. Submarine. Did a great and also job the, uh, researching on that one. Bigfoot in New Hampshire, uh, where um, our good friend and frequent guest, uh, Alexander Petikoff, became a cartoon character. Oh, Put, cool. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, Michael writes via Facebook, uh, Michelle and I are listening to your show. Please say hello to Tom for us. Hi, Mike. Um, as we live in the Lakes region of New Hampshire, we would love to hear more about the Winnipesaukee case he investigated. I could do a little bit about it. It was a restaurant. Okay. Yeah. Santa Harbor. All right. It was right across from the mail area. Um, I just found out like two days ago the restaurant's no longer there, and I don't have my case notes for me to remember what the name of the restaurant was. Yeah. But um, they uh, Angie got the call originally, Angie Donju, my team psychic, to go up there, and they were dealing with a spirit that would ring. There was two spirits in there. One they wanted to keep. That would So in the kitchen area to the restaurant. One they wanted to keep? Keep, because it would ring yeah. the bell. There was a doorbell that the cooks would ring yeah. for the waitresses to come over to get the food. Okay, fine. They wanted to keep one. They don't want the other one. Angie went up there, closed the portal. As you know, when you close a portal, there goes everything. She put everything aside. Well, Ben can do that. Right. It, it, sometimes they come back. They do come back. Yeah. But so Angie calls me up and goes, I know I closed this portal. Can you come up and help me? Not a problem, Angie. We're coming up. That was the day we went up in that snowstorm. We went up there. They gave us some food. That was nice. Good mm-hmm. food, too. Restaurant was great. It was like Ghostbusters. Like yeah. We actually tried to go up to the cemetery where the people were buried that owned that house originally before yeah. the restaurant, but it was so icy up there, I thought we were going to end up back down the hill because Angie only had a car, not four-wheel drive. Nice right, four-wheel right. Drive that I'm day. the only one in New England with four-wheel right. drive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
So we did that. We went back to the, we did our investigation. We picked up some EVPs, some stuff. We closed the portal. EVPs being the electric, electric voice phenomenon. Electric yeah. voice phenomenon. In case anybody you know? doesn't know right. that. Yeah. Um, we picked up some EVPs, which, again, I didn't think we'd talk about. I would have brought the case files for sure. No big deal. Would have had well, if Ben could talk, we, we could have a good discussion on that because sound is his field. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, so we did that. We caught no pictures that night, but we did send stuff, and I did push it back. So I said to the owner and the staff, the managers and staff, what happened? Well, um, this is what happened. I said, how did the spirit come back? Because there's usually a reason for it. She goes, well, we started communicating with it. Huh. Oh, why is that? Oh, because we wanted the old man only back, not the other spirit that was causing us problems. <laughs> well, I said, um, Whenever you open up a door to the other side, you might want Aunt Sally to come back or Uncle Sam, but watch out because <laughs> there's something lurking behind that door. Yeah. Then if you don't close the door after you open it, it's like today it's beautifully warm out there, 21 degrees. Oh, yeah. You leave your door wide open, the, the gas company's going to love you at the end That's of the day. That's right. Not you, you won't like it. That's right. So let's get into some of of the nitty gritty here. Yeah. Um, that that's really interesting. Winnipesaukee is a beautiful area, and it's a lot very active as well. Um, let's start with something kind of basic. Do you find, uh, and I know what the answer is, that when water is present, like a lake or a river, yeah, uh, you have more activity. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because we do too. I remember, there was there was a police psychic here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island who um, was not, I guess, locally he was known, but he said whenever he would be interested in, in um, uh, helping with a case, he would go stand on the bridge over the river, and that would help him with his perceptions, okay? Um, so I think that's a big yes. We find the same thing. Uh, it could be underground water as well, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, the idea of spirits... Now, that's as basic. <clears throat> we get that basic as far as many of our discussions are concerned. Um, at least from our point of view, and we, we could be wrong. You know, you can do things wrong for 50 years. Right. <clears throat> it's going on. The spirits are after my voice today. You, one of us has to be able to talk here. But is um, that from a strictly physical standpoint, a viewpoint of physics, uh, a personality without a body is not possible. Okay, in in our world, right? But that doesn't mean there couldn't be parallel worlds where it is, or you know, but, but they might not be close to us. Everything's very physical. So, do you consider other possibilities when you go into, say, the restaurant in, in Winnipesaukee that it could be more of a parallel world thing? It could be dealing with living people rather than dead people. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, any time I go into a case, it doesn't matter if it's Lake Winnipesaukee or if I did your house or. Somebody listening. What, what's going on in my... No, I'm, just, no, I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, the first thing I do is I do a lot of research. i got to find out, especially if I'm not familiar with the area, because I leave the Havel, Greater Merrimack Valley to do cases. So sure. If I'm in my backyard, I pretty much know an area, and I know what the history is. So we'll find out what the history is first. And then i got to figure out, okay, like I had a case last year, brand new house, guys. Like, I don't know why i got any spirits. It's a brand new house, that doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make a difference no. how old your house is. What was there beforehand? Well, it was an open field when we bought the land. Oh, good. <laughs> an open field. Well, was it always an open field? Well, as far, well, my, I grew up in this uh, town. I said, yeah. When I was a kid, we used to play in this field. Okay, you mm-hmm. 40s. That's, hey, at least I know the last 40 years it was a field where you built the first yeah. house. 
was here before that. So then you do research and more research and more research. Come to find out this was part of a farm. There was a, bond, a lot of bonds on the property. Mm-hmm. And in one particular area, two barns burnt down, and, th- and through the years, two of the old family members that lived there died in those two barn fires. Oh, yeah. And not only that, we got to look at something else, too. That land went back in the family. This happened in a case in Hampton, too, that we never got. I just researched it for family and figured out the issues. That house land went back to the 1700s. Okay, mm-hmm. the one in Hampton I'm talking about. And this house that I'm talking about, too, went back to the 1800s. But the back to Hampton, it, I found the deed of the house. And the original owner said um, that this land is to remain as a farm forever. Now, oh. in the 1700s, most people weren't well versed in English. So how did they sign their paperwork? You guys, are his, you're a historian. How did they sign their paperwork? I'm sorry, I was looking at Ben's note. Oh, <laughs> what was the question? How they signed the the official deeds back then? Um, how? How? Yeah, if they, they couldn't write, they would have a certain mark they would make. They'd take a knife. Oh, was, yeah, okay. And they put their print with blood. It's a blood mark. That red dot on old okay. deeds is blood. Okay. So in the old deed, it said that this was land. kind of rare, but uh, yeah. your, your, I yeah. bow to your superior knowledge of, of colonial yeah. history was very common. I've seen a lot of colonial yeah, okay. history deeds, especially right. in, up in Mass. I don't know about down here, but okay. up where I'm from. And this was at Hampton Falls. And it said this land's supposed to stay in the family for basically forever. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, it did up until the early 90s when okay. some great, 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 great whatever decided to sell off the back. There's to, always one of them. Uh, to a real estate developer. My family, too. Yeah, to a real estate developer. Yep. And then they sold the house separately. Well, from the early mid-90s to the early 2000s, about 9, 10 years, there were over eight, eight different house sales in that one house. Finally, the last people, wow. I just happened to catch a brief conversation in my old job where I was working at. Talked about spirits, and they couldn't figure out why. So after I pulled the deed, I figured out, we figured out why. And then he goes, well, there's an old, then the guy behind the house, where the barn should have been, um, there was an old man walking around scaring the kids at night. Not doing anything, but just the you yeah. know, creep factor of an old guy. I said, well, let's look at when he died. Well, why does that matter? He should be buried in a cemetery. Not necessarily in colonial New England history. Yeah, yeah. He died in December. Oh, boy. We don't do embalming back in the 1600s. So where do you think the, he was buried? The ground is frozen. Ground's frozen. So you had to wait till spring. No, not necessarily. Okay, where, where is it? The bond, ground frozen. In the barn because of the animal waste. So they would dig the hole in the barn because the barn was a ground, was dirt floor. Mm-hmm. They'd dig the hole in the barn and bury him in the barn. Or... A lot of the old cellar holes that we buried in the basement of the house. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, before that the makes laws sense. came yes. out, before yeah. all these laws that we sure, have today. Sure. Look at this great state of Rhode Island. You mentioned I'm involved with cemeteries. Mm-hmm. I love cemeteries. Yeah. <laughs> What's the state capital? A national capital of cemeteries? Rhode Island. There's more graveyards in Rhode Island per capita than any other state in the union. Little family ones. Little family ones. Little old property. And the biggest one, I've, the big, the smallest town I've ever seen with the most graveyards is Kittery, Maine. Kittery, Maine. 135 grave, uh, 
135 graveyards in Kittery, Maine alone. Wow. Now, most of you guys in the listening area have probably gone to Kittery to go shopping, I'm assuming. Sure, sure. Because everyone knows about the famous Kittery trading post. <laughs> right. And everything else, the yep. shops. The outlets, yeah. outlets, yep. yeah. Fun place to go. Yeah. 135 graveyards. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that interesting? Some of them are no more than two or three stones. Yeah, right, 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 yeah. Well, there was a guy in Rhode Island here, uh, uh, name was Madison, and he was from West Greenwich, and he went around and in the early 20th century, and he, he, he marked every single, um, okay, every single family graveyard, many of which had been, the stones had been taken by farmers and all this stuff, and they were overgrown, and he, he, he made it his mission to uh, preserve these, and I think there was someone, like he did some of the ones in Mass, so these old little family graveyards are true, but, but the point being, what you say makes sense about that. Um, we might use different terms and maybe some different concepts, but the idea of a place or a thing, this, and this is why things can be, quote-unquote, haunted. They're part of someone, what we, what we would say, someone's consciousness wave. And if someone loved that land so much, he didn't want uh, to go out of the family or anything, anything like this, which legally you really can't make stick for centuries. Right. You know, but that's not the point. You you could um, say this, and it would sort of be in, in the consciousness wave of that place, so to speak. And there might be consequences if you deviated from that. Right. So th- that that does make a lot of sense. And of course, we're dealing in 1600s. The guy probably didn't even think of the 20th and 19th, 20th century either. Exactly. That far down the road. Well, that's true. I'm going to throw you a curveball after the after the okay. break. Okay. Uh, on that, but but that's. Uh, I, I can't think of a better interpretation uh, for, as far as that goes. So, okay, we're going to take our break, and you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and 99.3 FM in New England's beautiful but kind of chilly Blackstone Valley today with our great guest, Tom Spitaleri. We'll be right back. This is Vincent Ingala. And I'm Dave Guys. Make plants. Join us this weekend as young saxophonist Vincent Ingala slides into our studio guest chair. Head to DaveGuys.com for more information and be here this weekend for another edition of the Dave Guys Radio Show. Hi, fans of smooth jazz. Yes, the Dave Guys Radio Show can only be heard on ON AM and FM every Sunday, twice on Sundays, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. The Dave Guys Radio Show is brought to you by the Carew and Group. It's the Dave Cause Radio Show right here on ON AM and FM. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. It's Paul Eno speaking, and Ben is with us today, but he's uh, under the weather, so he's just running the board. And our great guest, Tom Spitaleri. Tom, we're back in our second yes. half hour here. And uh, I wanted to uh, continue with the idea of time. Uh, now, this is a question from Ben. He wrote it down. Uh, parallel worlds versus history. What is the significance? Now, uh, you are a greatest, I forgot to mention that in your bio, you are a, an admirable historian, local historian. You're the kind of person without whom no town can be, can, can exist, really. Um, I think Thank as you, you get older, you're going to be a, a real pillar of this. You already are. So I just have no end of admiration for that. Um, what about... On a piece of land, such as we've been talking yeah. about, okay, what if it's something happening in the future, 
because Einstein essentially proved in 1952 that time, there is no past, there is no future. It's all simultaneous. So one of the things we look for, uh, well, we don't look for because we don't know it yet, but um, we consider is that something might be happening in the future, whether it be a, a terrible act that, that is attracting parasites, as we would say, or whatever. Right. What, what's your thought on that? Do you just look at the past, or, or do you think well, maybe if you don't find what what you're looking for in the past, maybe it, it hasn't happened yet, at least in our consciousness? I know it's kind of weird. But. No, that is a good question. You know, I never even, I'll be honest with you guys, I never thought of that. I always look at the past to figure out what yeah. was there. I never thought. And of usually you find, right? You know, yeah, that's why, because I find what sure is usually okay. the problem. It's just, just something. But I never think about. about looking. Well, let's look around this neighborhood. Well, maybe yeah. in a hundred years there could have been a development here. There could be a an explosion here of some. Yeah. I never. There's would. no way to really to no. really tell. No, but, but it is interesting because yeah. we we live in a world and we live in a universe. And in the universe, we're only, we're, we're not even a spot of dust on the map mm. when it comes to the universe. <laughs> well, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle that we may be a little more important than we think. Okay. They are the observer, you know. I right. Mean, but that, that's another. Right. We universe. could probably spend all day on that topic alone. Yeah. But, you know, we, to me, we're this spot of dust. Yeah. Okay? There's so much going on around us. Now, let's take something else I like. Yes, I'm big in the, I do research in ghosts and paranormal. But paranormal covers more than ghosts, sure. as we know. Um, I think I made a mistake when I first started calling it the Essex County Ghost Project. It should have been something a little bit like the Essex County Paranormal or something like that. Yeah. No, no big deal. Well, we you're the big cheese. You right. can change we the cover name. everything. Yeah. So, you know, you, you read reports of, like, we went down the Hockamock Swamp looking for spirits. But we all went down looking for Bigfoot. Yeah, like yeah. everybody else does. And the place in Ossipi I'm talking about in that area there there's a huge area out there i just gave the town away but not the area quite yet <laughs> but that's all right because the area is very questionable to begin with that's what's taken so long in the research okay it doesn't have definitive boundaries yeah. trying to get some definitive boundaries to figure out what type of investigation do we need to launch and how many investigators do i have to bring with me to yeah. launch this simultaneously investigation um but anyhow you have to wonder. You read stories. Bigfoot was seen on this ledge. Great. You get up to the ledge and go, oh, it's 300 feet down. Where did Bigfoot go? <laughs> yeah. Because if he fell off the ledge, just like a human or another animal, it's going to make some type of noise, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. You fall off a ledge, I think you'll be screaming. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a mountain lion falls off the edge. He's probably going to be growling his way down. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. We all know what's going to happen at the end, so we don't have to discuss that. But these things aren't making any noise. So that leads me to believe that they're in a parallel universe, that they can go through time. Yeah. We might see them at this location here, and as you get closer, it goes in behind this tree and disappears. That was probably a door that opened to another, another time. Probably in the same location in the woods, mm -hmm. but whether he went back or went forward, we really don't know. And that's what makes this field even more interesting. One of the things we do is talk, if there are any natives, talk to the natives, because they they and hunters, I'm talking about wilderness areas right. here, not houses, hunters and the natives see everything, okay? And in the Hockamock Swamp area, to get if you want to get back to that, yeah. um, as an example, that's what we do. And you find out, well, you know, the, the strange canine cryptid might have been a coy dog, 
you know, because uh, the coyotes will interbreed with local domestic dogs and they form packs and they could be kind of disconcerting. But there could be perfectly uh, a natural explanation for some of these things, but sometimes not. Right. So uh, this is what I want. We we don't have a team as such. We have, uh, I guess, uh, partners in crime who uh, will come. Right, you're sometimes. Batman. He's Robin, and then you bring. Well, the, I don't know. He's something like the that. Justice League with yeah. you. Yeah, and uh, as a matter of fact, we're gonna, we might we might be depriving a certain conference of a lot of its speakers because we've got a big uh, expedition planned in, in in the spring. But I don't know. No, nobody really has a specialty, in a sense. Uh, ex- in the sense of uh, th- this person is a ghost researcher, this person is just a Bigfoot researcher, this person is just this. Uh, we we interview a lot of witnesses. Maybe this is where the journalism thing comes in on my part. We interview a lot of witnesses, and we get we get it on on uh, we record it, this sort of thing. And um, it, what kind of approach do you do? Do you have people with specialties who go in, as you kind of implied that that? you do uh, or is it is it more open in the sense of um, as you go you learn about every aspect of, of, of the paranormal not just specialize in one when no, investigating I, I pretty like. much am self-taught I've done it by reading books listening well, to well who, who's going to who else is going to teach you right? right but no I don't have like a Bigfoot specialist I do have a ufologist on my team okay yeah because that, that, that yeah. enters into and it. everybody knows who he is once I mention his name Steve Fermani Oh, Steve, sure. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows Steve. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think he's in the... No, he's just out of the listing area, I think, in Lemons. Oh, uh, you can get the station. Oh, you can. Yeah. Okay, so hope he's listening. You have to have a good radio. But, right. Yeah. Um, Steve's the ufologist. I don't have a cryptozoologist, if that's what you're looking for. No. Okay. Yeah. There's no cryptozoologist on the team. All right. Well, again, you know, as I think we, we've talked about this before, uh, there are no experts in no, this field, just people no. with interesting theories and maybe some interesting experience. Right. And everyone's yeah. got their own theory, which is great. Yeah. Because I can learn from you, you learn from Absolutely. me, we learn from everybody else. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And, and, and we all learn from Caitlin. Right. Yeah. We have to have open minds. The most important thing in the paranormal, ufology and cryptozoology, is an open mind. Absolutely. That's true. Uh, not everybody is wrong. I may not agree with this Bigfoot is full agreeance on how he does or she does things, mm-hmm. but there might be a part of it that sounds interesting and worth trying, and vice versa. They may not yeah. agree with me at all, but they find something that, ah, maybe we should try this. Yeah. There are some people who uh, we run into at times who, and, and it's a very understandable problem, they'll say, well... We don't understand the relationship, you know, between Bigfoot and UFOs or ghosts and why would they be occurring in the same area. And we, we have certain points of view on that and you do too. And I think that, that when you have overwhelming numbers of reports of Bigfoot, and I'm thinking of, um, our friend Ronnie LeBlanc from Lemonster, yeah. uh, who was a, um, has written a, I wrote a right. great book, uh, Monsterland, yes, yes. which is and actually. He's also one of the speakers at the Parafest this year, too. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. well, we're going to talk about yeah. the Parafest. Uh, but, but they, they, there's a, he will often find a relationship, seeming relationship between Bigfoot and orange orbs or orange lights yes he did a talk last year at the parafest and it was an excellent yes talk, actually and uh we've stood down in the woods of pennsylvania with uh, shane searway and alexander petikoff and we watched these weird red lights in the trees uh in an area where we have all of us almost uh, shane and i at least have seen bigfoot you know you could have knocked me over with a feather as the last thing i was wasn't even looking for that 
I was looking for the weird lights. And then the, the house you can see from there has a, a ghost problem. A shadow people problem, yeah. okay? Which Shane walks in and busts some heads and he too takes care of the whole thing. <laughs> Shane's really good when it comes to that. Oh, that he is. He yeah. helped us with the case too. Yeah. Thanks so, to um, actually. So th- these things have a relationship because they do seem to sort of be intertwined. We think it's because if you get intersections of parallel worlds, maybe it's just coincidence or it could be some other explanation that we haven't even thought of yet. But uh, that, that's the answer I usually give people. So, what, what uh, so you seem to have enough people to sort of handle things? Can you give us some more cases and more examples of uh, what we might call flap areas that you've investigated? Not so much the flap areas, but I mean, we had a. Well, I also have. I also have my own personal collection of haunted objects that I've collected. Oh, okay. Homes. Haven't you showed me some of those? I think. I yeah. Showed okay. You a yeah. Of them. Yes. Um, you know, it, like you said earlier. People get attached to things, and sometimes when they go, my you got to be careful because there are times when I go down to the Salvation Army in Haverhill because I'm a frequent shopper there. I love those places. I think everybody does. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter secondhand store. Oh, yeah. I, I, a couple times I see people rock the chair moving. I look again. There's somebody rocking on the rocking chair. Oh well, I'm not buying that rocking chair. <laughs> yeah. I don't need that home. I like. No one I know needs another haunted object around, so no, I'm not buying that rocking chair. But every once in a while, we went down to a uh, private home in the, in the listing areas. We're going to keep it a private. Uh, in the Hawke- in the Bridgewater Triangle, in a little small town, and there was a Ouija board that was giving off some not-so-nice... Uh, surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise, yeah. yeah. Caitlin and Lindsay locked down the Ouija board. Now I own that. That's in my haunted collection of artifacts. Oh. See, you're as bad as a Warren. So. Yeah, we no, no, no. We did a house in Haverhill where this kid met his demise. Short, small in life because he had some issues. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to deal with them anymore. So he was in a police chase and he decided to turn his car into a phone pole. And oh boy, that was it. So. The parents left the room the same way they he left it that night, like eight years later. Now there's spirits in the house. We get in the house, and one of my team members picks up this stick that he brought home from a pit area in Haverhill. All of a sudden, I'm going to get clobbered with this stick because uh, the team member channeled something that was not so nice on that one. So it was moving by itself? Or oh, no, it took what? control of the team member. Oh, it did? The spirit inside the stick did, yes. So okay. Took care of that. We got a question. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Oh. I'm just. I'm kind of monitoring yeah. the uh, emails as they come in. Uh, okay. Uh, actually. Um, okay. I, I one of the things like that. Um, I mean, I knew Hannibal well. I used to walk by. They had this underground passage between their house, the Warrens, and their art studio in Monroe, Connecticut. And I'd walk by the thing all the time. Man, I had it in the. You know, they, they bring it out now and then, uh, Johnny uh, Zaffis does and stuff, and it's got uh, Do Not Open under anything. I'm just, you know, jeez. Maybe, maybe I was just too uh, nonchalant about it, but they had a lot of stuff like that. But you, I guess you do have to be careful because the... Um, I'm thinking of the haunted suit of armor and Newport yeah. and all this sort of thing. And and uh, I, we use the explanation of that kind of consciousness wave. So before we burn up the hour, I want to give you a chance to talk about the Parafest. Whatever you're working on, you're a tremendous organizer. And a lot of these things raise money yeah. for the, uh, the the great uh, Hillsdale Cemetery. Hillsdale Cemetery, yes. And, and I actually, <laughs> I do want to mention one small thing. Sure. I have a good friend of 
my interview. <coughs> Call me up. Mm-hmm. Tom D'Agostino. Oh, Tom. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They asked me, me and one other team member to go down to uh, Palmer, Massachusetts. Yeah. He to help them with the thing, so we're going to be doing that. Um, got to go through time for tickets, but I hear that's almost sold out. It's a restaurant. It's dining with the dead. It's the yeah. steaming sounds a steaming tender restaurant in Palmer, Massachusetts. Okay. So that's on a not Tuesday night, not too far. Yeah. Um, February sixteenth, Essex County Ghost Project will be at the famous Hawthorne Hotel. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, and I got great news on that one. Uh-huh. I'm staying that night. <coughs> Oh, cool. In, in the uh, most haunted room in the place. You got it. Yes. You got it. All excited yeah. about that yeah. one. It's going to be a psychic fair, and then we're going to go investigate the library. Roxy's Wick is going to be speaking at noontime, that right around Roxy, noon. Yeah. Um, then Tom D'Agostino is going to be speaking on the spirits of the Hawthorne that night. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be speaking on, I just haven't figured out what yet, but I'm going to be doing okay, talk yeah. that. And then we're going to investigate the library. Interesting. So that's going to be an exciting night. Great. And that starts at 9.30 in the morning and goes till midnight. It's an all-day event. Very good. And there's a website? There's a website, yeah. Um, you can go through the Essex County Ghost Project website for this okay. one. Okay. The other one you go through Tom's because it's his event. I just sent it out. We have now. a link to that on uh, our site. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. And then the uh, Parafest. This year we used to do for one day. Mm-hmm. We're doing it for two days. Oh. April 12th and I must say it's about time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, was that a, that that is a Saturday and Sunday? Uh, Friday, Saturday. Friday, Saturday. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're going to be, Friday night, we're going to be in Stratum. Oh, Stratum at the KRI Center. At the KRI Center. Yeah, for consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And um, that night, we got Andy Kitt speaking. Mm-hmm. Andy's been on the Andy's show. Andy's a great speaker. He he's hasn't great. given me what he's speaking yet. But is he a I doctor know. yet? Uh, he's getting there. He's getting he's he's close. to his doctorate. Yeah. Yep. In... Uh, in, in um, Something I know, the psychology of something I never heard of <laughs> yeah. that you could get a doctorate in. So. Yeah, that's Audio it, vision. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And then uh, from 7 to 7.45, we have Jaylene Fontaine, animal communicator. Uh-huh. And then from 8 to 8.45 that night, we have EVP specialist Karen Marcy and Mike Sullivan. Karen's EVPs were used in the movie White Noise. Oh, right. Mike Sullivan, he used to work with Shane. He was his EVP expert. Yes. I guess so. I, yes. I don't knew know. Mike used to okay. Yeah. So, yeah, those, uh, that's, and then that night we're going to end with a um, live cast of a podcast radio show by my friend Willie Miranda. Oh, Willie Miranda. Very so good. So that's how we end Friday. Yeah. And then, oh, while this is all going on, there's going to be a seance downstairs. Led by Valerie yep. Lafaso. And something that's not been done, there's only a few of us that do this, that I can tell, and it's called glass divination. Okay. I'm going to be leading glass divination sessions. You're, you're made of sterner stuff than we are because we, we kind of discourage that. Stuff. But that's, you know, we're not going to be there, so right. go for it, I guess. <laughs> and then um, the paradigm, and then on Saturday, this is in no order, but we have Sam Beltrusa speaking. Local author, yeah, yeah. 13 Most Haunted, a uh, lot of things. Um, we have uh, Cody Ray Desbins, the EVP specialist and Rise Up Rhode Island Society of Examination of Unusual Phenomena. Uh-huh. He was with TAPS. Um, Larry Elwood. Larry is going to be is a minister. He's going to be speaking on the perils, pitfalls, and protections of the paranormal. He's also a demonologist who's worked with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, all right. Um, we have Connecticut Paranormal Research coming back. Yeah, we know them. Yep. yep. 
And then we have Ronnie LeBlanc and Maddie Blake coming up to speak, too. Very good. And Sally, last all the cool but kids not are least, we got one more. Tom D'Agostino and Arlene Nickerson, they will be speaking, Excellent. Too. Yeah, we like Tom. And Arlene, they've been here. And they're they're close enough to come to the studio, which which is we just love that because uh, you know it's it's you have a conversation, you know somebody's not far. And away. maybe one day I'll do a three day event if the two day event goes well. Well, there are always possibilities. Mr. Spock said there are always possibilities. <laughs> I have the push to do it. The question becomes: Does everybody else on my team have to push? To <laughs> because we'll, we'll see. we keep very busy. There yeah. are times we've done Friday night and Saturday night cases, mm-hmm. or Friday night fundraisers, Saturday night cases. So give us some examples of what you're working on as far as cases like right now. Right now I'm waiting on a case to come in from southern New Hampshire, get some shadow figures. According, I haven't mm. even spoken to the client. This is through my case manager. We've been going back and forth. You have a case manager. Yes, yeah. I have two case managers. He's actually. got a case manager, Ben. I actually yeah. have two case managers. Uh-huh. Lindsey Stanton and Jimmy Graham. Um, and the reason why, too, is because I also run the Regional Paranormal Alliance of New England, which is four teams from Connecticut to Maine. Where do you find time to work? In between all yeah, of that. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Hey, you got to do everything. And you work at a museum. I work at a museum, yep, yep. which I don't, which I keep separate. And well, I, I, I also visited uh, on your very kind invitation last year. Yes, yeah. yeah. You came up for a big event. Um because Howland P. Lovecraft had ties to Havel. Howard P. Lovecraft, yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was wonderful. Well, I came as the uh, distant, uh, a relative of Lovecraft. Yes. We're, we're just distant cousins, but, uh, and also, um, uh, Amy Lynn Murphy was there, uh, who was a relative of the, uh, Charles W. The man Smith. we were yes. honoring that day. Yes, Charles, Charles W. Smith, Smith uh, Tryout Smith, the, uh, uh, amateur journalism, uh, pioneer who was a yeah. friend of Lovecraft. So, and, 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 uh, the project was to, uh, the De- headstone dedication at the Hilldale, Hilldale Cemetery because he never Cemetery. had one. Yeah, so we yeah. got him a headstone, cleaned up the area. We've reclaimed about sixty percent of the cemetery. Yeah, I just I, I was inspired that day, and you know it was. I'm telling you, it's just wonderful things you do up there. And Hilldale is a beautiful, beautiful cemetery. In the fall time, it's called the prettiest spot in Hamble as far as yeah. leaves and foliage. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it's. I think you're doing some great stuff, and uh, the the cases uh, are very interesting. And uh, you've been at this for about 15 years. 15 years, 10 years with Essex County, and then okay. five years with another team. All right. Have you run into? Um, this is what happened to me in the days of yore. Was I would be investigating a, a haunted house or area, and run into UFOs? That kind of thing. No, it, that no, doesn't happen. No. Luckily, really? uh, unluckily, okay. no. Well, I was—I don't know. It was a lot I wasn't abducted or anything, no. but I mean, it was a. Uh, you know, just I would run into things I didn't expect. Yeah. Oh, I ran into paranormal stuff I didn't expect. Yeah. But anytime you do a private home, as you know, Paul, sometimes people will call you up and you can take all the notes seriously. Yeah. You do your research. You find some corresponding, some that don't correspond, and you get there, and it's like, I, I also do. A radio show on Havel Public Access, and I also oh, yeah, tell do a TV us about show. Yeah. HC Media, Havel Community Television, I have the Essex County Ghost Project, which in March will be turning 10 years, that show. And the radio show, it's been on and off for the last two years. They're finally getting that squared away, yeah. where it's going to be more regular, which will be great. Okay. But um, I had some people I interviewed on, demonologists, and they said that sometimes you have the Dunkin' Donuts and Doritos time on a case where there's nothing. 
And then other times you have a lot of stuff going yeah. on. We don't get too many Dunkin' Donuts Doritos times on our cases. But there are times we've gone in there expecting this to be cast with a friendly ghost. Yeah. Because that's what the client said it was. Yeah. And it goes, oh. Yeah, I forgot to tell you, Tom. I didn't think it was that important. Yeah. Oh. Everything is important when you do a house case. Yes, it is. Everything. One of the things we wanted to sort of sum up with was... Um, Maybe, maybe we're old and stodgy, but I, we always discourage people from doing what we both do. Right. Okay. Uh, I remember being at, uh, the, um, this, the hotel, the, uh, uh, at the time, the Biltmore Hotel in, uh, Clearwater, Florida. And I uh, went down to talk, uh, to speak at a conference for beginning ghost hunters, you know, against my better judgment. And they said, <coughs> If you had one word of advice for the audience, uh, what would it be? I said, don't. Don't do it. And 230 people just stared at me. I said, however, here we all are. So maybe we <laughs> kind of went into, into this and, and, and all that business. And, but people were floored. So why not? I said, it's not like bird watching or butterfly collecting. <laughs> all kinds of awful things can happen to you. Yeah. People pick things up. They're not psychologically or spiritually prepared for it. And uh, literally all hell can break loose. Right. So what, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I mean we're already doing right. I, mean, I, I, I started in the seminary and was uh, coached by priests with the viewpoint of exorcisms. And even the faculty didn't like it. There were one or two priests who took me under their wing. But that's how I got started. So I kind of couldn't help it after that, getting any other stuff. What do you say... I mean, should, should people take it up? No. And can it be treated as a hobby? It can't be treated as a hobby. My favorite is I get these calls all the time. Hi, my name is so-and-so. My daddy bought me all this nice equipment for Christmas. Oh, gosh. I want to be a ghost hunter. What do I do? Give your daddy all the equipment back, have him return it, and go find <laughs> another hobby. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Um, have you ever done this before? No. Well, we want to get our first case within the next two weeks. No, because then I have to go clean up your messes later on, and it could be a ten exactly. times worse. Yes, exactly. It could be a hundred times worse because yep. you don't know what they did or what they opened up yep. or what they were even doing. Which brings us to about the last two minutes we have and the theme of this show, which is the ghost scene in 2019. How do you see, what is the state of this field right now? Yeah, it's all uh, over the it's all over the map. Yeah, all over the map. Caitlin, will you, you'd like to turn the mic around if you'd like to contribute. All right. Yeah, because all, we, all we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. All over the map. It's sad actually because yeah. you got too many people. You know what it is? It's not these radio shows. It's not the public access. It's TV. the it's the reality TV shows that yeah. really give us a bad name. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I I couldn't agree more. Um, I it's funny because we have been approached several times by producers and production companies and the networks come back and say in so many words you're too intelligent and you don't fight enough yeah father son you know i mean give me a break um there's already a father son paranormal team did you see that ozzy and jack uh no i don't usually watch those is that another reality show it is okay and they go on adventures in the paranormal oh okay i wouldn't recommend it (laughs) yeah i wouldn't recommend it because yeah. remember, it's when I do. Everybody asks why you just do public access. I do public access because I don't have to worry about ratings. 
I just got to worry right. about getting a guest every week and keeping people up above me happy with the yeah. They're saying they're watching the show because there's no way of doing ratings. Okay. When you get on big TV, there's ratings. Okay, we're, we're pretty much um, getting into our announcement section, but t- give us again uh, your website and your next uh, event. Uh, it's which is EssexCountyGhostProject.org. Okay. It's the website, and it's the Parafest April 12th, 13th, at the KRI Center in Stratum and... Um, Stratum, New Hampshire. Stratum, New Hampshire, yeah. correct, and the Kittery Community Center in Kittery, Maine. Which is a great venue. Yes, really it good. is. Caitlin, thank you for your cameo. <laughs> okay. So let's um, get to our announcements here. We have a lot of things. Um, uh, for um, I'll do Ben's part here because he still can't talk. For any unusual friends or relatives whose taste runs to the weird and unexplained, uh, try giving autographed copies of our books if they'll take them. Uh, our latest titles include Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, and Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard of. They're available from online retailers and in some stores. But for autographed copies, please visit the online bookstore at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com. Our first event of 2019 will be the 4th Annual Book Lovers Author Expo at the Cumberland Public Library here in Rhode Island on Saturday, February 16th from 1 to 4 p.m. Uh, there will be other southeastern New England authors of both fiction and nonfiction, and we will not make a presentation, but we'll meet and greet and sign books. It's a lot of fun. Uh, information is at the CumberlandLibrary.org. Last time, uh, Keith and Sandra Johnson were there, who are uh, very dear friends of ours in this field, and, um, and another, some other people you might not expect, but a lot of the local authors come to this. Uh, we talked about the New England Parafest coming up uh, April 13th, and um, uh, on April 23rd, uh, we'll be back, hopefully Ben and I both, if not, then just me, at the Town of Prospect Senior Center in Connecticut for a presentation, and we'll keep you posted as details develop. That is a wonderful place. You think a senior center is kind of sleepy, and then people are you know, falling out of their chairs of after they listen to you, but no, that's not the case at all. These people are amazing at this place, so we're, we're looking forward to that. Um, hot on the trail of that event is a new one we uh, have been invited to speak at, and that's not only because we don't have to drive for hours to get there. It's the X-Filers United 2019 convention set for April 26th to 28th at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Warwick, Rhode Island. It's a fan convention covering all areas of the paranormal, UFOs, ghost phenomena, cryptids, and more. Uh, along with Ben and myself. Uh, speakers will include none other than Shane Searway, filmmaker Alexander Petikoff, UFO researcher and experiencer Mike Stevens, along with America's youngest recognized cryptid expert who's been on the show, Colin Schneider from Ohio, uh, famous medium Gary McKinstry, whom I'm astounded to hear is practically a neighbor. He lives in Dudley. I didn't even know that. have to have him on. Uh, author Susan Brunel, UFO, UFO experiencer Tom Reed, and a number of other big names. Uh, we'll give you details as they firm up. Uh, the website is x-filersunited.com. Okay, uh, my next book, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeist, Parasites, and Parallel Worlds, and God, will be published in hardcover in 2019 by Schiffer Books, and we'll keep you posted on the release date uh, for that. Uh, also on our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, you can find out about the show, our many cases over the years, public appearances, and you'll find over 800 free recorded shows from our 10-plus years on the air, including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. A number of links to uh, charities Ben and I have adopted are also on the site, USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, uh, and Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, and the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. Please check those out. Uh, so, Ben, uh, I guess I'll 
answer the question this week of what's on for next week. January 20th, here on WON 1240 AM and 99.3 FM, we'll visit with nuclear physicist Jan Harzan, director of the Mutual UFO Network, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary. We'll take a look at where UFO research has been and where it is going today. And uh, we will leave you this afternoon with a profound and beautiful thought from 19th and 20th century Indian poet uh, Rabindranath Tagore. I love this guy. I think we're going to use his quotes every time. Death is not extinguishing the light. It is putting out the lamp because of the dawn. I'm Paul Eno. And, uh, oh, did you want me to try? Well, yeah, make an effort. <laughs> and I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.